0: But you know what? I thought you were mysterious like my mother until it turned out the mysterious just made depressed, all right? Hard to reach. I mean, I'm dying here. I don't like going out. You know that I get anxiety when I have to meet people. You know how hard that is. Everything you touch turns to shit! Like King Midas' idiot brother. Jesus. But if you two aren't the biggest pair of fuck-ups I've ever met in my entire life
1: hello everyone and welcome to give us a second
2: a minisode series
1: brought to you by the greatest moments in the history of forever i'm zach i'm matt and this is our 46th edition 2021 in review we're giving our top 10 films from last year just in time for the academy awards i think we might maybe preview the oscars a little bit at the end
2: yeah everyone will be excited about that i'm sure
1: So we're back from hiatus. Yeah, we
2: are back. The show is back. Glad we can settle the panic out there (laughs) that seemed to be creeping
1: up. People just panicking. We'll get into the reasons for the hiatus a little bit more in some of the other stuff that we're recording today. We we have a big recording slate happening now that we're back.
2: Back in a big, bad way.
1: We don't need to get into all of that information right now. I kind of want to keep this one short. It's going to be a quick turnaround as far as editing. I want to get this up in time for the Oscars, which as of this recording are tomorrow. So we'll save some of that for later. But as always, follow the show on Twitter, at GreatestPod. Make sure you're subscribed to the show on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, etc. If you're enjoying the program, please give us a (laughs) five-star rating and review. Yeah. And what, do we still have stickers? We do still have
2: some stickers, yes.
1: Let us know on Twitter, at greatest pod, if you'd like a free sticker mailed to you. Follow us on Letterboxd, Zach1983, Matt Crosby on there, which is a pretty good transition into what I wanted to kick off with. Fuck Letterboxd. <laughs> I don't know that my ratings on here are necessarily going to jive with some of my Letterboxd my star ratings, which is why yeah. I don't give star ratings anymore, because I feel like once you're coming out of the movie, your opinions are bound to change. And in For fact, sure. some of the stuff I did rewatch, and that's why it might be a little higher or lower than you would think.
2: Yeah, it is interesting. It's been on my mind, too, because there's definitely things where I give my immediate reaction. But then even months later, I'm thinking about it without rewatching it. And I start to, yeah, things start to click with me more.
1: So I don't know that all of my star ratings for these movies from last year are going to coincide in a way that makes sense with my top 10 list, but whatever. Ratings are
2: fluid. They change over time. It's okay.
1: That's true. That is true. I would also like to say that out of all of the films that came out in 2021 that I thought might be contenders for a top 10 list, the one that I did not see yet and it's the only film nominated for Best Picture that I have not seen, is Drive My Car. I was planning on watching it this week in preparation for the show, but it's three hours long, and as I said, we're recording a bunch of shit today. I had a lot of work to do to prepare for all the various stuff we're doing. Uh-huh. Fitting in a three-hour movie just wasn't going to happen.
2: Drive My Car, it did take me several viewings. Not because I wasn't enjoying it, it's just time is an issue.
1: Like, yeah, holy I've heard shit. that. Several times, yeah. That people watch it in chunks. I will watch it eventually. I just wanted to clarify that that's one for sure that is a contender, I guess, for Mm -hmm. anyone's best of the year list. And so I needed to preface this by saying I haven't seen that. That's the only one I can really think of, okay, off the top of my head. There might be other stuff. I've got a
2: couple. I still haven't seen Coda or uh, Belfast, but yeah.
1: Well, neither of those are in my top ten, so.
2: Well, there you go. Well, they're nominated for best picture. (laughs) What can (laughs) I tell
1: you? That's true. I have seen both of those. Okay, so let's just get right into it. Let's hear Matt's number 10, and we're going to go back and forth. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of overlap on the lists, Mm -hmm. but we'll talk about each one as we get to them.
2: Okay, number 10 for me is a director that I like. He's made a few movies over the past, I don't know, seven years or so. I'm in on his work. Mike Mills, this come on, come on with... Joaquin Phoenix. I don't know if you watched this or not.
1: No, I haven't seen this one either.
2: I like this director. And Joaquin Phoenix is the right guy for this type of material. I mean, just this sort of damaged creep, you know, <laughs> that, that kind of guy. Right. And he just plays those roles so well. And I was really vibing with the movie. It, it's it's sort of this slice of life, you know, the, the this guy having this sort of cathartic moment. But the, my one complaint about it was it's filmed in black and white, which can look really good, but it's like so dark, the lighting of it. Right. So at times it was almost like hard to even see what was going on. But I did enjoy it, and I thought it was very well made. And I'm just sort of in on this Mike Mills dude.
1: I can't really comment any further because I haven't seen it. There so my number 10 is a film that pretty much exemplifies what I was just talking about as far as Letterboxd. I was a little bit hesitant at first... I rewatched it. I think I vibed with it more on the second time. There is a little bit of sadness to it because of it being based off of real people, but it reminded me a little bit of Spring Breakers, which is a a favorite. Uh So I'm talking about Zola. Oh, yeah. Directed by Genzika Bravo. I'm probably saying that wrong. I'm probably going to pronounce a lot of people's names (laughs) wrong on this. Yeah, well.
2: One, I was just going to let you say the director's name for me once we get to it. Okay. (laughs) That's a little tease.
1: Paul Thomas Anderson, is how you say it. Yeah, okay. All right, (laughs) thank you. Zola is based off of a tweet thread from, I don't know, five, six, seven years ago Yeah. about a pair of strippers who go down to Florida, and things take a dark turn, and there's all sort of human trafficking and prostitution and all different kinds of crazy shit. At one point, James Franco was involved. Obviously, he's now disgraced and not really involved in anything anymore, so uh-huh. this got taken over by other people, but it was still made into a movie for A24, starring Taylor Page and Riley Kiao. I liked it. It's yeah. got a weird flow to it. Sometimes it seems oddly edited as yeah. if they should be talking more or something. Like, I don't know, almost as if it's the Nicholas Winding Refn movie drive or something oh, where you're right. just like there's these silences, but it doesn't feel as intentional.
2: I absolutely love the Riley Keo part where like that it does that little segment of the movie from her perspective. Yeah, where she oh, responded
1: on <laughs> read it yeah to the original tweet thread
2: that part is like unbelievable yeah
1: it's very funny it's a hilarious performance from Riley Kio it has maybe one of my favorite scenes of the year where her sad pathetic boyfriend oh yeah attempts suicide <laughs> in just the stupidest way imaginable <laughs> but it is sad and dark although I guess you do have to take some of the story with a grain of salt I'm not questioning it necessarily or saying anyone's a liar but things can get embellished when you're tweeting out a story and then obviously the film is going to try to make it look as crazy as possible so who knows exactly what actually went down on this wild weekend but zola is a lot of fun if you're willing to get past the fact that it's sort of disturbing that this is how people right. are <laughs> yes there's definitely a sadness to that all right so let's move on to your number nine Yeah, and I
2: suspect this is uh, showing up on your list just based on conversations we've had off the show, but uh, a movie that shocked many, I I found to be somewhat disturbing and also really just an unbelievable plot in terms of, you don't know where the hell this is going. Enjoyed the last movie by this director quite a bit, and of course I'm talking about Titane. Uh Uh-huh. I don't know how to say this director's name. Julia DeCornow? DeCornow. I didn't like Titane as much as I liked Raw, but it's certainly a wild ride.
1: Yeah, I have this one coming up later. Two of what I consider to be the best performances of the year in this film from Vincent Linden and Agatha R- Roussel, uh-huh. I think is how you say your name. <laughs> there you Again, go. not really sure. Right, An indescribable movie. Really, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'd say so, yeah, it starts out almost like a horror movie and then turns into something psychological that is almost a yeah. non sexual love story.
2: where the second half of the movie goes you you just never would have guessed that that's where you're heading,
1: and it really, in a lot of ways feels like a movie of our times, uh, I don't know that there's necessarily like one for one comparisons. But it just it talks a lot about identity and gender and finding your place in the world, but uh-huh. done through like this completely insane story that is so hard to even imagine <laughs> that someone came up with this.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think the comparisons to Cronenberg are there because anytime there's any sort of body horror, right, that's where people's minds go. But it, it's on a, a level on its own.
1: Number nine for me is Nightmare Alley. Directed by Guillermo del Toro. This sort of operates as both one of my ten favorite films of the year and also a disappointment of the year. Yeah, This should have probably been a, a strong contender for top five, if not top three, based off of its subject matter, cast, director. It seemed to have everything going for it. It is nominated for Best Picture. But it didn't quite click. It was a little... It's a little flat. ...long. But ultimately, I did enjoy it. I think the story is is cool. The ending, I thought, was great.
2: Yeah, the story and the cast are both really cool.
1: I thought Bradley Cooper in the final scene in the film is very entertaining to watch. (laughs) Yeah. Just so ridiculous and over the top. The geek. Just sort of like embracing it in a weird way. For sure. Obviously, anything with... Rooney Mara, I'm gonna like,
2: <laughs> right?
1: Yeah, it's it's obviously a, a remake of an older film, which is based off of a book, and which I did like the original watching that this year too. Yeah, I still haven't gotten to see the original yet, but yeah, I I, I liked it enough to include it over some of the other contenders for the top ten list. I think it's one that I'm probably gonna need to watch again and sort of reconsider but yeah I liked it so that's that's my number nine
2: okay number eight for me and I do have some complaints about this movie but overall enjoyed the uh, theatrical experience and and walked away you know just feeling like that was fun I enjoyed that Steven Spielberg's West Side story I did hate that ansel whatever and uh, it seems like oh you must hate the movie then because he's the lead but the rest of the characters are pretty good a lot of the side characters are enjoyable to watch he is just such a nothing he's like this flat cardboard has no charisma yeah but but the rest of it i thought was good i thought it was spielberg's like best directorial effort in terms of how much i enjoyed it probably in the past 15 years
1: i may have the information wrong but ansel elgort might be in that new michael mann show okay that the older sister from raw is also maybe in Oh, I so like that girl. It's sort of like ruining the anticipation for this. I might yeah. be confusing different things, but I'm pretty sure that might be... All I don't know. I, yeah, I Tokyo really... Tokyo Vice, maybe?
2: I was really uh, down on him in the movie, but the rest of it uh, I was I was in on.
1: There's a 0% chance that I'm ever going to put a musical in my top 10 list, but <laughs> I did think that in terms What of, about A Star is Born? It's not really a musical. <laughs> in terms of the cinematography and the look of it... It was definitely a a slight return for Spielberg, who, in my opinion, hasn't really made anything that interesting in a long time.
2: Yeah, even the stuff that got Oscar buzz, like Lincoln and The Post, I I don't know. Neither of those really stuck with me.
1: Yeah, those are not that great. Right. I enjoyed it. It it was never really a strong contender for me in terms of a top 10. But yeah, I I did like it. I agree that Ansel Elgort is sort of a a nothing, and it's weird because there's the whole allegations situation with him, and it's, is he canceled, is he not canceled, who knows, but...
2: I don't think it would be a loss for us.
1: I know, that's what I mean. I don't know why we're desperately clinging to him needing to have a career, he doesn't really bring a ton to anything. My number eight is directed by Pablo Lorraine, and it is Spencer, starring Kristen Stewart, a film that completely took me by surprise that I probably wasn't even all that interested in seeing it first. I know that we recommended it on the show at some point. Yeah. And I I gave a glowing review of it at the time. It's a oddly divisive movie. I think a lot of people don't like it. Wow. A lot of people do. It's sort of split.
2: This will show up on my list. I I was quite high on it.
1: Some people probably expected a more traditional biopic and they were confused as to what this was. I think it's absurd and ridiculous at times, but if you're embracing of that, that makes it more fun. Absolutely. For me personally, and some people may disagree with this, I did not think it was a particularly strong year as far as acting performances. So this was one of my favorites with Kristen Stewart because it was just so strange. I agree. it was more than just an impression it felt like it sort of went beyond that
2: yeah i loved the approach and the angle that they took with this movie i love the dark foreboding feel to it the johnny greenwood score
1: is awesome it's very claustrophobic a lot of close-ups on faces and shot almost like right behind her head
2: and maybe my favorite ending of the year (laughs) my favorite (laughs) ending of any movie
1: yeah, a very funny ending to the film, too. It's it's weird and strange and not at all what I was expecting, and I liked it. That's my column summing up all of these movies, and mm. I liked it. Well, yeah, it. I mean, come on. All right, number seven for Matt. Oh, let me get back to my list here. Moving right along. Yes.
2: Okay, actually, it came down to the last day. Although, the thing that I took off the list, I'll talk about when we get more towards the top, because it didn't really push anything out because of the way i had it which i'll explain later but number seven for me just watched this morning one of the contenders for best picture it seems the power of the dog it's long which can be good or bad i don't know that this movie you needed every second of but i actually thought this may have been the best looking movie that i saw for 2021
1: so you and sam elliott coming at this from different perspectives (laughs) (laughs) why what is he down on it Oh yeah, you weren't privy to that whole thing? No, not at all. Matt is like totally oblivious to what's going on a lot of the times, which is funny in a way. <laughs> yeah. No, he was just very critical of it and it's it caused like a whole oh, wow. controversy.
2: Well I thought Benedict Cumberbatch and it gave a pretty strong performance and I found it overall to be like pretty engaging.
1: The Power of the Dog was directed by Jane Campion, stars Cumberbatch, Kirsten Dunst, Jesse Plemons, Cody Smith McPhee. It seemed like the front runner for Best Picture, and it still might win, but that seems to have changed over the last couple of weeks. <laughs> as for it some does, reason. yes. People do actually treat the Oscars as if it's a race that can be like gained on, as if it's not just a vote and people just <laughs> vote on things. Right. I, don't, I don't really know how that works, but okay. It was also number seven on my list. Oh, so wow. We, in sync for once. We are completely in sync on that one. It's a slow burn. I can totally understand people being bored with it. I'm not going to trash people who aren't going to be invested in movies like this or drive my car, which I haven't seen, Uh or things of that nature. I get it. I'm not going to be a movie snob about people not wanting to hang in there with stuff like this. It's very subtle. I'm not even 100% sure everyone would completely pick up on the ending, (laughs) Yeah, but... Strong performances. It looks really cool. Absolutely. And considering that you don't get a ton of things like this released into theaters, it's cool that Netflix is still providing an outlet for this stuff. Grand, big, adult-themed movies that require your attention yeah, and require you to like think about.
2: It's weird because it feels epic and fringe at the same time.
1: Yeah, so do you want to do number six? Since yeah, that was sure. my number seven yeah, yeah. as well?
2: Number six. I don't know. We saw this in the theater not too, too long ago. Oh,
1: uh, my God. Is This is going to be the same as mine. I'm going to throw up. The Go worst ahead. person in yeah. the world?
2: <laughs> sometimes we're so far apart, and sometimes we're right on top.
1: Yeah, I was thinking that, you know, had we not taken the hiatus, that this would have been a fun one to do as a recommendation to talk about. Now it's been about a month since we saw it, and... It's not as fresh in my mind, uh-huh. but this is Joachim Trier's follow-up to like, what was that movie called? Like Thelma? No, um, I don't know. The one with the bird on the face. I don't know that poster, <laughs> whatever. I don't know. This one's getting a lot of buzz for screenwriting. It, mm-hmm. it may have an outside chance at something like that. Yes. Yeah. It's uh, sort of like a I would almost say, like, romantic comedy, sure. but, like, but a little bit deeper. On
2: the dark side, Yeah, very authentic feeling. You know, just one of those yeah. slice of life, but you're like, yes, this hits home.
1: Yeah, because everybody, it, when they're younger, goes through those phases where they're just sort of a not great person. And oh, yeah. And I think men and women do it. It doesn't mean that you're a bad person, but you have to live with your choices and... Mm-hmm sort of grow and learn from things and it's all about that it takes place over like what like a few years stretch right with this focusing on the one woman and her relationships that she's in and out of and the aftermath and all of that stuff and
2: even just like this clear feeling like there's something more for her out there but never really quite getting there (laughs) at least for what we see
1: Yeah, I think it's symbolic of anybody's search for happiness and how that can prove to be elusive and you think you want one thing and then you realize you don't and obviously when you make choices that leaves people in your wake that may be hurt and you have to come to grips with that. In her particular story, the results can be a little bit more dramatic for the sake of the film. She's confronted with it head on in a way that is a little darker than I was expecting based off of the name of the movie and the trailer. You're not really expecting quite such a deep ending to the things.
2: I agree, yeah.
1: But yeah, it's really well done. It it feels original and fresh. There's different techniques in the film that you don't see all the time. And it's worth checking out if if you can put up with foreign films. I'm I'm, I'm hopeful that most of our audience can deal with subtitles. I don't know.
2: You know... (laughs) there's been no shortage of movies over the years about the prolonged adolescence for male characters. And I think we're starting to see that a little bit more pop up from a female perspective. And you are just kind of like, Oh yeah, this is just everyone. <laughs> like everyone like deals with this shit.
1: Yeah. Okay. So let's do our number fives. If this is the same too, I'm going to just end the podcast permanently. Was well,
2: it a Verhoeven directed effort for you? <laughs> no. <laughs> Benedetta for me. If that didn't give it away, all,
1: you're burning through all the good movies. <laughs> I can't even imagine what's in your top five.
2: Five is a high number. I don't.
1: Man, this top five for you is going to be terrible. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So let's talk a little bit about Benedetta.
2: Of course, Verhoeven always pushing the envelope <laughs> a little bit with his material. No difference here. Really shocking, I would say. Certain. Yeah, blasphemous,
1: wild, done in a way that only Verhoeven can do. The biggest balls of a director working still just does not give a shit about what's popular or or where things are trending.
2: Or how people are going to react.
1: He used to be one of the biggest directors in Hollywood. Things took a turn. Probably around the time of Hollow Man, they were like, enough. (laughs) Because things hadn't really gone super great with Starship Troopers and Showgirls, so Hollow Man was his last Hollywood film. He goes back to Europe and starts making these smaller films, a lot of which are really good. I
2: thought there was some similarities to what was that older movie that we watched? Was it Flesh and Blood?
1: Yeah, I've seen people say that too. I think aesthetically, yeah. Well, yeah,
2: and just like the idea of like manipulating groups of people, which is like a big part of both movies.
1: Yeah, so Benedetta is the story of Catholic nuns, and one of them has these visions of Jesus and thinks herself, I guess, a prophet. It takes place during a plague, which is, you know, you can't help but draw COVID comparisons to a lesbian relationship develops, which, of course, in this time period is completely illicit, not to mention they're nuns. And you go from there, and it's this... Wild adventure. It's very sexually explicit. Yeah. And just done in a way that you never see from Hollywood films or anything in America, (laughs) really. Wooden fearlessness.
2: Uh wooden sex toys in the mix.
1: (laughs) Like, holy shit. Yeah, it's wild.
2: Which does seem dangerous, by the way, too.
1: Well, you do what you gotta do. I guess it
2: yeah, it was just a different time.
1: Benedetta obviously coming up later for me, where the good movies belong. Okay. (laughs) Number five. The Last Duel. Okay. Directed by Ridley Scott. This was the big Ridley Scott movie for me for twenty twenty one. He had two. House of Gucci did way better and made more money. Was much more talked about. Did not really care much for House of Gucci.
2: Sam. I think. Was we not that. even
1: particularly bummed that Lady Gaga didn't get nominated, even though she was campaigning hard. Just didn't really think anything was that special about it i sort of enjoyed the jared leto performance just because it was so weird
2: probably the best part the most interesting part was his insane performance
1: yeah i think he probably was he nominated for a razzie i know affleck was for the last duel which i wanted to talk about because people don't understand they get all up in arms about uh, about the razzies and Uh like this is actually a great performance in a great movie and And it's like well yeah that's why they do that they right, want you right. to talk about it. Yeah, yeah. And people fall for it all the time. I think Affleck is great in the film.
2: Absolutely same. He has some of the best lines in the movie.
1: It's a rashomon like story told from three perspectives. Jody Comer, Matt Damon, and Adam Scott, who was also in House of Kush. Uh, Adam Driver. Adam Driver. Yeah. Adam Scott, yeah, from Party Down <laughs> yeah. showing up. His career
2: a I've taken a big, big boost. Yeah. <laughs>
1: The movie makes it clear. What I the think, fuck was which, it that
2: he used to say on a uh, party down? Are we having? Are we having yet? fun yet?
1: <laughs> yeah, they're filming the party down revival right now, awesome. but without Lizzie Kaplan. Yes, because she's doing something else. So that sucks.
2: So I'm uh not in this camp of Adam Driver as like this gift to acting.
1: Agreed. Yeah, I, I, no, I, don't, I don't. I don't hate don't really him. Think he's that special. Sometimes
2: either. he's fine. I mean, maybe like in House of Gucci, I don't know if he has, it's not really a bad performance, but the character is also just like a complete bore. Yeah. but So I liked him a lot more in The Last Duel.
1: Yeah, the movie makes it clear whose story is the truth. And I think, again, this movie is very of the time and appropriate with things that are going on in modern day. Mm-hmm. And they do it in a way that doesn't feel forced. I think you can reach these conclusions on your own without being told to think a certain way. It's just a really cool, big-budget period piece with cool fights, and it feels big and epic. And it sucks dick (laughs) that these type of movies are bombing. West Side Story bombed and lost tons of money. The Last Duel bombed and lost tons of money. It just sucks.
2: Yeah, and this was the action sequence. It all obviously builds towards the last duel. It was an action sequence that I, I really wasn't quite sure Ridley Scott had in him anymore. You know, yeah, he did quite a good job with it. I was really happy to see him pump this out because I wasn't really quite sure if he had anything left.
1: Okay, so let's hear your number four.
2: Well, th- we shouldn't have to spend too much time talking about this number four for me, the last duel.
1: Okay, <laughs> yeah. So, we were pretty close in agreement on this one. I hope more people check it out. It's got the potential to be one of those movies that people continue to discover over the next few years and are like, uh-huh. "What? where was this? Like, what? Ha- why didn't I hear about this? Right, right. It's like, well, you blew it. You missed it.
2: It's like one of those ones where following things on Letterboxd, you can kind of see when something has, like, its brief moment. they will say, like, Last Duel pop up. Everyone's rating it for, like, a week, and then it just, you know, everyone sort of moves on. I remember that very vividly with this one.
1: My number four is from a director that I didn't get super familiar with until this movie came out. And then I went back and rewatched, or watched for the first time, I guess, all of his films. And I was kind of kicking myself a little bit for Uh sleeping on it. And my number four film is Red Rocket, directed by Sean Baker, who directed The Florida Project, which got some... Oscar love back when that came out. Red Rocket, I don't believe, was nominated for anything. But it stars Simon Rex, sort of a Mm -hmm. relic from another time, (laughs) delivering an insane performance in a movie that is super sexualized and problematic and weird. And if this would have been on a bigger scale, I could definitely imagine a scenario where a controversy would eclipse anything that people were uptight about with Licorice Pizza or any other movies it's a little icky and weird, but it's supposed to be, and it's in your face, and it has that raw feeling. It's not quite like Harmony Korine or Larry Clark, but it, it does sort of feel like real people. Uh, a lot of the people in the film don't necessarily act in other stuff. There's some real actors mixed in, but sure. it's a lot of like real people, and you can kind of feel that energy. And, man, it's, it's like Simon Rex... Portrays this character that you know is a piece of shit Are you and a scumbag. Like four pens? Yeah. <laughs> like Wolverine claws. <laughs> yeah. You know that he's a piece of shit. Uh-huh. And you know that he's lying and a scumbag, yet you like him and you're kind of on his side the whole time because he just has this weird charm. All right. It's got a little bit of safties in it where you're tense and nervous the okay. whole time that everything's going to collapse on him and. He gets involved in some fucked up shit, and it's just a fun movie.
2: Yeah, I uh, haven't seen it. I knew you were big on it, and I was going to try to get it in before. I have the um, Blu-ray. You can borrow it. We recorded it. I was going to rent it the other night, but I was making a rush to get all this (laughs) material done for recording four episodes today. So, uh, yeah, I'll be happy to check it out.
1: All right, so let's do your number three.
2: Number three for me, something we already spent some time talking about, but a movie that I liked when we walked out of the theater, and I think as time has gone on, I've found myself thinking about it, and it continues to stay with me, and that is Spencer.
1: Okay, yeah. Not really much to say that we haven't already said about Spencer, Kristen Stewart, sort of the whole thing. If you, if you buy into her performance and you enjoy that, you're probably going to like it, and if, y- you, yeah. if not, you might not be able to go on that ride. Although Maybe you could like her performance but not the movie because it is sort of a strange. Movie, well, I think I guess. you
2: got to be able to vibe with the surreal element of it.
1: Yeah, it has almost like a bad dream feel to it. I wouldn't right. say like nightmarish or anything, but the unpleasant dreamy feel to a lot of it yeah and there is some stunning cinematography in it too that is sort of unexpected absolutely really cool shots yeah the
2: shots and i hit on earlier but with the johnny greenwood score too who you know he does a lot of the paul thomas anderson work if i see his name pop up as the composer i'm interested
1: okay my we're we're on number three right Mm -hmm. my number three is speaking of paul thomas anderson is licorice pizza a movie that We saw twice in theaters, once at the end of 2021 and then the beginning of 2022. One of the most anticipated films of the year. Look, it's not rocket science. Oh, yeah. It's a coming-of-age story, a nostalgic director looking back on his own experiences, more or less, coming up in the uh, San Fernando Valley. Great performances from Philip Seymour Hoffman's son, Cooper, and... Alana Haim.
2: just a joy to watch.
1: They have great chemistry. A lot of the controversies with the film seem to be gaining a lot of traction still. I know that. Oh really? I thought the it LA the Times time. can't let the Asian thing go. They oh, tweet yeah. about it like every five minutes okay. for some reason. It's the same old Oscar smear stuff yeah, yeah. you see every year. They always come up with these hit campaigns against these movies. Very clearly in the film the butt of the joke is the guy being racist which it always usually is but people can't differentiate for some reason
2: we can't have bad people in movies
1: i think people have sort of moved on from the age gap being as big of a deal just because people just sort of shrugged i guess in general like okay it's not like they have sex spoiler alert yeah so yeah it is weird and the age gap seems to be even bigger than you would think because it seems like she's lying about her age. At some yeah, I know one point. Yeah. I don't really even know how old she's supposed to be. Yeah. But I don't know. I can totally see it. And it makes people uncomfortable because it sort of pushes the message that love is bigger than age gaps and that you can sort of normalize these things and make them seem okay. And then that opens the door for anyone. And it's just like, well, it's a fictional film and they don't really consummate it in any way that feels inappropriate to me.
2: Yeah, I would agree. I love this movie. It's one of my favorite directors. Like you said, we saw it twice in the theater. Anything that's taking place in this era is usually up my alley. I just feel like late 60s and into the 70s is just the best time. (laughs) Like nothing's ever been as good as it was then, but Anytime Paul Thomas Anderson is making something, it's going to be in contention f- probably for my top of the year. I don't think it's his up there with his top, top work, but I still love the movie.
1: It has some of the best set pieces. The one with the truck going oh, yeah. down the hill was unbelievable. It's got great music. Great soundtrack. The plot is almost non-existent. It's just sort of a an ongoing series of events that here's go the, through time. Yeah.
2: Here's a bunch of weird things that happened to this dude.
1: Yeah. There's just something about the way that he writes characters that feels so different and unique as if they only belong in his world, yet they're not like that weird. Right. There's nothing that stands out about them. But when you have a character like how Gary Valentine is portrayed in the film, mm-hmm. if I just showed you him and explained him and went through what he does and what he who he is, it feels like it has to belong to Paul Thomas Anderson. It just, there's these characters. Oh, that, yeah. Seem to belong in his world for I some mean, reason. Yeah,
2: Bradley Cooper in a small role as uh, yeah. John Peters, just unbelievable. And the movie just so much spark, and it's about youth. It's so full of hope and promise and youthful energy.
1: All right, so I'm dying to hear what your number two is because I feel All like right. I know your number one. Yeah,
2: yeah. So uh, my number two is a movie that you haven't seen somehow. Oh no! Drive my car. Oh, okay. I'm surprised that you haven't seen it. It is long. It's shocking that you are, get 45 minutes into the movie before the credit. Yeah. <laughs> before the title. Believe sequence. me, I heard
1: somebody describe it, and I was laughing hysterically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they they liked it, but they were goofing. on sure, it, too. Sure,
2: sure. And, and you you can, and there's and there's stuff to goof on in it. I mean, it's so long, but check off um, play.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I mean,
2: but the movie is just so masterfully constructed and some of the scenes and like the pacing to them are like just so unbelievable. And there's like great performances. It evokes emotion from you. It's just so masterfully done in that way. Obviously a, a lot's being said about it. It's a-, a top contender for the year, but I see a lot of movies that really, I just don't feel that engaged in. And and this was certainly one that you just feel connected to.
1: Yeah. I can't really comment on it because I haven't seen it. I'll probably try to watch it soon. It's hard to carve out that much time, really. Yeah, yeah. As anyone following my letterbox <laughs> right. will then see me like log Jackass Forever three times in a row. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll just be like, okay. Well, it's less
2: of a commitment.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's a 0% chance that it would replace my top two, which are set in stone, two of my favorite films of recent memory. Oh, yeah. You'd have to go back to probably... I don't know. Raw.
2: Sure. Which is great.
1: (laughs) Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Neon Demon, some of my favorites of the last few years. (laughs) Number two, we've talked about both of these films already. Number two, Benedetta from Paul Verhoeven, starring Virginie Efira. Just, I mean, come on. (laughs) I've never even, like, what? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so this film... Just pushes all the boundaries. I, I I love films like this. Obviously, I'm a creep and a perv. But because everything is so tame now and boring to me, that these directors that are like pushing boundaries and not giving a shit about any of that stuff and doing whatever they want mm-hmm. just excite me in such a way and keep me engaged. And Verhoeven's a master. He's just one of the best. Not to go off on a complete tangent, but both you and I... Separately watched the new Adrian Lyne film. Oh yeah, Deep Water, and I always sort of associated the two. I guess because Lyne had that erotic thriller phase where a lot of his movies were like that, and now Deep Water is his first one in twenty years, and it stars Affleck and right. Ana de Armas, and you're thinking, okay, this has got to be gr- good. There's just no way <laughs> well, that it can't be I, listen,
2: good. I mean, erotic thriller, there is no better genre. I'm sorry, people.
1: I know, and there's not enough of them for sure. <laughs> And I did sort of enjoy it, probably more than most people. I think I got a lot of of a kick out of it. Sure, but there's no comparison. I mean, Verhoeven can work with erotic thrillers like Basic Instinct, but he also makes these weird science fiction movies like Total Recall or Starship Troopers. Right. Or he also, or even like RoboCop for fuck's sake, and then shit like Showgirls, just like a straight up exploitation movie and then now this nunsploitation movie (laughs) (laughs) nunsploitation it's so exciting and yeah i'm thrilled that he's like doing another movie so fast it seems like at least they were already like casting something or something was going on
2: yeah nobody quite does it like him that's for sure
1: yeah so that's my second favorite of the year i think everyone probably can figure out what matt's number one of the year is that's right
2: uh spoke glowingly about it and it hasn't shown up on the list yet but of course Licorice Pizza we just went on at length about it but what else can be said the Heim performance I loved it felt so authentic and was loving spending time in that world
1: I think it's a very fun film if it was all about a sexual relationship between the two and it was presented in a way where we were supposed to that's be a completely different movie. That, yeah, that's a that be different movie yeah that's <laughs> a Verhoeven movie Yeah, you need to go over to Europe to make that. (laughs) And then my number one, which was just embarrassingly low on Matt's list. Yeah. The most creative film of the year. Maybe one of the only directors working today that I am like legitimately excited about what she comes up with next. Because this was just a stunner. (laughs) I agree with that. Titane from Julia DeCornow. Raw was my favorite film of that year. Yeah, yeah. And now she's repeated, which is got to be a rare feat for a director in my life. Yes, yes. To have two films that I think are the best of a given year.
2: Right. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I did, I, like I said, I did like this movie. I just, a
1: woman gets pregnant by a car. R- right. I mean, come on. You, you, <laughs> I was just
2: going to say, a woman gets pregnant by a car. Come on. <laughs> Yeah, that's exactly what you I and, said. You and I are on opposite ends of the spectrum of
1: how we react to that. I thought that was awesome. The murders are weird and random. Sure, and yes. You can't figure out where it's going. And then it just turns into something almost like endearing. And
2: Where you end, you're like, what the fuck?
1: <laughs> this is where we were going? The fireman dancing scene. Yeah, and- I did like that part. <laughs> <laughs> like
2: a Future Island song or something that plays. I was totally in for that
1: it's not as traditional as raw and I, I don't think that I like it quite as much because raw was just so like visceral oh and yeah crazy and sexual and in your face and this is too but it is so strange and I I don't know I, I think I probably need to revisit it a few times to really fully get past just the shock of where it's going and and lean into it more with it rather than yeah. being in your seat resisting it because it's not what you're expecting. Well,
2: I am totally with you that I am in on this director and we'll be interested to see what else she does. So I just, I don't know. The material will, will <laughs> was Hopefully
1: a little bit Hopefully she confusing. stays in yeah. France and doesn't come yeah. over here because I'm sure that the studios will beat her down into nothing. Well, they'll, they'll be nothing.
2: like, do you want to make an, like a
1: Wonder Woman movie or something? <laughs> if Wonder Woman has sex with a car, then yeah, I'll get into that. So –
2: couple uh noteworthy call outs I, I did have originally on my list but just ultimately decided that it doesn't fit but it's the thing that i've probably watched the most is the peter jackson beatles get back documentary i've watched it like several times since it came out but i, I, just, I
1: don't see you logging it all these times
2: i've logged it twice i feel like i don't you log could it include I it though if you want it yeah to. yeah i did have it on the list but i was just like you know what i don't know if it really fits
1: well it's your top 10 yeah yeah, it, yeah. It either fits or it doesn't okay
2: well We'll see. But then also, I think it's kind of noteworthy that Wes Anderson had a movie come out this year and doesn't make either of our lists.
1: I'm baffled by the people who are calling it Wes Anderson's best movie. I don't get that at all. Yeah, same. I didn't hate it. Sure, sure. In fact, I really enjoyed the first of the three stories, the one with Leah Sidu and- Oh, yeah. The prison one. Benicio. But- Mm -hmm. My God, the third story, I still don't really know what the fuck was going on. By the on. time we got to the third sense. story, I was
2: like really like uh, ready for the movie to be over.
1: And the second story was absurd, too. It at least was coherent, like I understood the sure. second story. The third one, I didn't even understand it.
2: It was pretty detailed.
1: I don't know. There really is a delineation with Wes Anderson. The scripts that he did with Owen Wilson seem so much better to me than everything he's done post that. Uh-huh. I think Owen Wilson like grounded his weirdness. And now it's just that fool twee. Yes, yes. All humanity is sort of obscured it, under it these layers. It all sort of
2: almost feels like uh, like a cartoon world that you're in now.
1: I will say that I do think that the Grand Budapest Hotel is really good. Yeah, yeah. And I like Moonrise Kingdom a lot, too. Sure. But I don't know. This one just left me cold. I, I couldn't quite get into it that much. An, a movie that almost made my top ten would be The Green Knight. Which Mm -hmm. a lot of people liked, and I think it's worth revisiting, but... It certainly looked
2: really cool, and it it was weird. I think it just came
1: down to me liking these 10 movies more. I mean, that's really all there is to it. There wasn't any specific reason, it just, I like these more.
2: Yeah. Maybe, like, the first half of Dune, if the second half of it wasn't a complete... Yeah, I'm sure that's
1: controversial. I'm sure some of our listeners love Dune. That's another one that gets a lot of love online. I mean,
2: look, Villeneuve is... He has established himself as like, this guy can make big budget movies look awesome and on a whole other level than what most people can. But I don't know, man. The, the Like I said, I was really in on the first half. I thought it was like super cool. I'm like, wow, this is really well done. But to me, the second half is like the story is just like not interesting at all.
1: Yeah. I kind of miss what he was into like earlier in his career with Prisoners, An Enemy, yeah. and Sicario, which are three like home runs. Once you start making these
2: two hundred million dollar budget movies, though,
1: when you compare Blade Runner twenty forty nine with Dune, I just, it just seems like no comparison. Dune oh, I is agree. so bland looking. Yeah, and I mean, I guess that's the story, and he's trying to portray it in a certain way, but it's just not visually exciting to look at. It just is so dreary, and the story—I I don't care by a certain point. I uh, thought it was fine, but yeah, yeah, I'm not salivating over part two. I don't really give a shit. No, no, me neither. I don't know. There was some other stuff that I liked, but I didn't want to do like ties and have a bunch of shit in there. I, I thought Pig was okay. Yeah, I, I kind of liked Pig. I liked the latest VHS movie, which probably would have been wild for me to put in there, but VHS 94, I think it's called. I liked that. Okay. Just a little weird horror. uh,
2: uh Anthology?
1: Yeah, that weird little horror anthology series. I've liked all of the VHS movies. I thought this one was cool, too. But yeah, other than that, there were some tremendous disappointments. I don't know if we should really like trash all of those movies, but <laughs> if it didn't make our top ten and it was a high profile thing, then
2: and we didn't just talk about it. Just uh, yeah, other than House we, of Gucci, we it which sucked. we've been open with. Yeah.
1: <laughs> as far as the Oscars go, who gives a shit? I don't. I I don't care about. It them. sucks.
2: I I I want to though. I I do want it to be like the spectacle that people are invested in and care about, but it's just not reality.
1: Yeah, the big controversy this year is that they removed some of the awards from the main show in an attempt to trim it down and and keep it moving with awards that they feel like, I guess, more casual viewers would care more about. I don't think it's really going to matter. I don't think nominating Spider-Man would have mattered. I don't really think there's anything that they can do now to change the direction of the ratings for the show. I would agree. Like we said, though, before we started recording, I do think it'll be higher than last year. Last year has to be yeah. bottoming out because of the p- pandemic and everything. and I-, I doubt that it'll be as bad as last year. But the days of 50 million people or even 30 million people watching the Oscars are over. N- not that many people care. They're not going to get them to care. There have been too many movies that have won that no one has seen or cared about. You can argue all you want and say, like, well, the best movie is the one that gets the votes and that's the way it is. And it's like, well, fine. I'm not disputing that. But a lot of these things that have won over the last 10 years, people do not give a shit about. (laughs) And there's this divide. There's like a cultural divide. A lot of countries like, well, this is not for me anymore. Yeah. And you're not going to get those people back. And you have to come to terms that following the Oscars and caring about movie awards is much more niche than it used to be. And there's way more people trying to cover it and acting like it's important on Twitter than there's ever been before. I got to
2: tell you, was throwing out some olive branches for my big Oscar party tomorrow? Not a lot of interest. <laughs>
1: <laughs> not a lot of bites on no, that. No, no. Yeah. I'm almost begrudgingly watching it this year after not watching it last year. Well, for you the can first time in hate watch time. things. Yeah. The hosts are random and not interesting. And look, the, the favorites to win Best Picture right now seem to be... The Power of the Dog, and now Coda, two movies that a lot of people haven't seen and and generally outside of like film Twitter don't have a ton of buzz, neither were released in the theaters even. I liked both films. I liked The Power of the Dog a bit more, and that's why it made my top 10. Coda was a sweet movie. It was fine, well okay. done, well acted, but I, I don't really know why this would be considered for best picture it seems completely insane
2: didn't really move the needle for you
1: it felt almost like a heartwarming well done made for tv movie there wasn't anything particularly special about the way it looked or the cinematography or anything like that i do think it's probably in contention for some of the acting awards as well at least maybe like supporting actor or something
2: so that's your best picture folks (laughs) we'll see how it goes
1: yeah It looks like Licorice Pizza might not win anything, so that's like another year of Paul Thomas Anderson essentially being shut out.
2: Yeah, I mean, one of the best guys out there doing it. Just if it loses original
1: screenplay to the worst person in the world, I wouldn't have a lot to complain about there. But it's probably going to end up losing it to like Don't Look Up or something. Oh gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. All right, folks. We'll keep this one short because we are recording a bunch of stuff. Hopefully I can get this turned around in time to have this up for the Oscars, and then you can expect a regular episode this week. We're trying to get back on schedule. Thanks for sticking with us through the hiatus. Follow us on Twitter, at GreatestPod. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Give us a rating and review. Let us know if you'd like a sticker. We can send you one for free, and follow us on Letterboxd. I'm at Zach1983, Z-A-C-H. 1983, Z-A-C-H. Matt is at Matt Crosby, the way you would expect that to be spelled. Uh And we will talk to you soon. Thanks for listening.
0: no interest in art. Let me clarify. I have no interest in non-nude images.